All right, it is that time again. It's time for Matt to speak. This is going to be another great episode. And this one, I have my next special guest, the one and only Erica Heidi. Alright, so welcome back to Free the Geek FM. So what did you think of the last episode with Troy? I mean, going on the stats, if nothing else, I mean, it definitely was very, very popular. I mean, what do you expect? I mean, the man is articulate, he's very thorough, and he has a, a pretty excellent presence all around, as you'd expect from being a plural site author and being a well-renowned international speaker. If you had a chance to check out the episode, I can only encourage you to drop a comment on episode 7, or leave me a review on iTunes, hopefully a, say, four or five star. I mean, quite seriously, they all help. They help me to know how the show's going, what you think of it, whether you think the direction is a good one, whether it's helping you out, and so on and so forth. So if you could, if you have time, stars alone, uh, you know, help. Otherwise, you know, a good text review would be fantastic. Anyway, enough with the plug. This week, I'm looking forward to presenting to you my fireside chat with Erica Heidi. If you don't know Erica, Erica is a web developer and DevOps person. She's been working with PHP and Linux for over a decade and hails from Brazil. She's a really amazing person who gives some fantastic talks on Ansible at most of the conferences that you're likely to go to. She also has written the Vagrant Cookbook, which I'll provide a link to in the show notes. So if you're thinking of getting into DevOps, if you want to improve your DevOps knowledge, if you want, you know, this generally to be able to, to build environments, whether for your business or for yourself to speed up your development, definitely check out ericaheidi.com where you will find a link to her book, The Vagrant Cookbook. It's going to be a really fantastic episode. And one of the reasons why I was really looking forward to having Erica on the show is, is partly because I read recently that she changed to being a full-time technical writer at DigitalOcean, where she's worked for some time. And, I mean, that sort of dovetails in nicely with the fact I'm a technical writer as part of what I do. So I was keen to, to talk to her and learn about what got her into it, what motivates her about it, you know, how she, how she does her thing, partly so that I could learn and partly so I could share it with you. So definitely keep an ear out. It's going to be a really good fireside chat and one which I'm sure you'll learn whether you're a technical writer or whether you are, whether you're not, whether you're a straight developer. Following on from the last episode, I'm not going to sort of chat too much, but hey, it's my show. I get to, you know, I get to have that chance. So what I'm going to talk about briefly is technical writing. And I just want to share with you a bit of how I got into it in the hopes that if you're thinking of doing it yourself and you're not sure how to get started or sort of the right way to do it, that maybe this might help you to make that start and to make it a good one and not sort of flounder and kind of spend a long time possibly getting nowhere. So just in short, my story is it is not too complicated. A couple of years back, I was working for what was called then iBuildings, who are now called Invica. And they came up in the internal company blog, I think it was from the lovely Lorna Jane, where she said that... If someone wanted to write, you know, a high quality technical article on something that they'd been working on recently for the company blog, they could. And I think they would reimburse us about 200 quid. And I saw that and I thought, yeah, 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 I'll have a go at that. Cause you know, I'd, I'd been doing a bit of blogging, but nothing too serious. And 
I mean, ever since the high school days, I'd, I'd loved written English and being able to communicate. So I thought, all right, I mean, there's a financial incentive and there's a sort of personal career incentive. So I had a go and I, and I pitched an article, but the article topic that I pitched, she said, didn't, it, it wasn't quite what they were looking for on the blog. However, she was kind enough to forward my details to the one and only Cal Evans, who you may remember from episode three, or, you know, if you've been around PHP for more than about two months, you'll have heard about Cal. And he was really positive as well, although I think he was then the editor of DevTalk at Zend. And same thing again, he said the article wasn't quite what he was after, but he knew a lovely person who worked at PHP Architect magazine, who became my good friend and mentor, Beth Tucker Long. And she said, yeah, look, I like what you've written. That's that's a perfect match for the magazine. Write it up. And, you know, assuming that I met the quality baseline, she was happy to include it. From that process, I then started writing a number of articles. I did admittedly wonder at first how anybody ever made like any kind of money out of writing because it took me forever. But then, you know, it's like anything when you're new, it, it takes time to get started and everything's sort of slow, but then you get better and better or as you gain in proficiency and speed and, and so on, it becomes quicker. So anyway, fast forward a bit of time and I ended up with my own column for PHP Architect magazine which is called Education Station, which you would have seen if you've been a reader of PHP Architect Mag. Oh, I think for at least the last four years. Actually, that's kind of funny now that I come to think about it. Actually, Kevin Bruce, the the um, he's the, I believe it's head illustrator, head of art and creative works there. Sorry, Kevin, if I've gotten that wrong. I'm, I'm saying this on the hop. Um, he mentioned to me that I was the longest running columnist for PHP Architect magazine. Sorry, that's a gratuitous plug, but it felt really cool when I when I found out. Anyway, a digression there, I'll, I'll head back to what I was talking about. Anyway, so mine was sort of a roundabout way of starting, but what I found over the course of time of, of doing it is it helps you in, in a lot of ways. One, I think it helps you feel good because by writing about technical topics, you get the opportunity to give back to the community. You get to help other people as you have been helped by those whose blog posts that you read. So that's the first thing, and that's why I think it's really amazing to, to do technical writing. Secondly, it, it helps you to communicate. It helps you to really know your topic. I blogged a few weeks ago on my personal blog about why this, this fallacy of those who do, do, and those who can't teach, you know, why that's a fallacy. Because if you really do teach people, you have to know what you're talking about. You have to know your topic. So that's another good thing. It's not, oh God, this is just boring documentation, blah, blah, blah. It's anything but that. It's You really have to understand the topic before you can put it into words, before you can put it into a screencast, before you can put it into a podcast. You have to know what you're talking about. Otherwise, it's this long, rambling, blurry, you know, what the hell is this? Or you don't really cover topics properly. They're kind of... You say the bits that you kind of know and you drop out the, the bits that you don't, but to the uninitiated, it just doesn't make any sense. So you really have to know your topic, not inside out, but know it well enough to be able to articulate what it is, to be able to teach somebody else, which ultimately is what you're doing. You're teaching in some way or you're educating or informing. And I, th I think as I already said there, you, you learn to become more articulate. You learn to become more concise. You learn to express yourself more more clearly. And this flows over in, into many things. It's, it's when you talk to people, I think 
the practice of writing and writing well, it gives you or it trains you into a good habit of, of thinking before you speak as well. So when you talk to people, you'll think a little bit more carefully, you'll think a little bit longer. And so what you say makes more sense. So I think it's it helps you holistically writing. I, I don't have any specific data on that. I mean, I'm just relating from my own experience. Okay, so to sum it up, I think being a technical writer helps you be a more rounded, more articulate, well-versed developer. And I think it's something that all developers, no matter whether you're starting out or whether you've been doing this for quite some time, should definitely, definitely get into. At the very least, consider it. Now that I've given my good spiel for you know, all, all the benefits of doing it, how to get started. Honestly, I think now could not be a better time to be a technical writer and the reason why is that so many places are looking for what has come to be known as content marketing. Sorry, they're engaging in content marketing. And if you're not familiar with the term, it's just simply you want to promote your stuff. You want to educate, inform or entertain your audience such that your audience will become aware of you, such that hopefully down the line they will buy your product or subscribe to your service. Now, let's take the marketing and and other potential negatives out of that and say there are quite a number of companies such as Codeship or DigitalOcean who have fantastic services. You can either pay for advertising, which might see, seem quite spammy or invasive, or you can write excellent content, say, from the, your engineering team to say, you know, we're doing these things, this is what we've been doing lately, that highlight your skills and highlight the quality of how your products are built highlight, you know, the, the depth of your technical knowledge and in so doing convey to potential customers, potential subscribers that you are or that they are, you know, a product or service that really knows what they're talking about. They really have street cred. And naturally, since not all developers really like to write, really like to communicate, a lot of companies such as these are looking for people who are willing to do that, who want to do that, who have the technical chops and can express themselves at least enough to be able to provide them with content. So it's a real hand in glove relationship at the moment. And there are so many who are, who want skilled technical developers to be able to, you know, to write for them and are willing to pay well. Some aren't. Hey, it's unfortunate, but there are a number of companies out there who are willing to, to reimburse you properly. Some in, I, I think the good range is somewhere between two to 500 US for an article. And that article range is probably at least about a thousand to twelve hundred words. I'd say you wouldn't go over about eighteen hundred realistically. And they're willing to pay for that, and they will pay pay quite well. Sometimes it's a one-off. Sometimes it can be an ongoing relationship. I mean, that kind of really depends on on you and the company and the relationship that you you form. But there are a lot of them out there, and so I just want to encourage you to think about that, to consider taking time out of of your schedule to begin writing, to look for places who are looking for technical writers, to consider improving your skills so that you could become one. Another good way to get started is, as Erica does, as Troy Hunt does, as I do myself, is create a personal blog and just start blogging. You know, pick a schedule, maybe once a week, once a fortnight, and talk about the things that you've learned in that, you know, since you've last, since you last posted talk about things that you've been discussing with other developers and be articulate about these topics, get into a good chunk of detail. I mean, there's there's blogs such as Code Horror, which get into enormous amounts of detail and they're quite long and thorough posts. You can go to that length if that's what you want. 
you could write kind of short, uh, short, sweet and concise posts, maybe around the range of, say, um, five to eight hundred words. That's good too. But whichever way you go, I just encourage you to get in there and, and start expressing yourself, start communicating, start talking, start sharing your knowledge with other people. Anyway, I think I've gone on at a bit of length. And now it is time for my fireside chat with the one, the only, the as always very welcoming Erica Heidi. And I'll see you after the fireside chat. Okay, the thing I was wondering was that I, I think I first got to, to, to hear of you and, and see you on, on Twitter and so forth because of mm-hmm. Ansible, Ansible Vagrant, Vagrant and all that. I'm, I'm curious, what, what motivated that? How, how did you get started with, with both of those? Um, so the first thing, the first time I heard about Vagrant was in a meetup here and it was actually Michelle Sumber, Geeky. Mm-hmm. Uh, she was presenting a talk um, about open source and she talked about ProTalk, the project, uh, and she mentioned Vagrant, that it was easy to contribute, you just needed to run Vagrant app and everything. And I was really curious about this new stuff uh, that I never heard about. So I started researching it and I started using it. Uh, and by that time, uh, after a while, I was working independently mm-hmm. uh, and I, I decided to write a book uh, and that was like a new hot subject. So I, I decided to write uh, the Vagrant Cookbook and that was actually when I started also using Ansible. And yeah, and things got like serious. Mm-hmm. <laughs> how would how would you describe serious? Like you went to do like a lot of talks on that. Everybody found out about you. Like what 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 is serious exactly? <laughs> um, because when I started, it was just uh, just something else, you know, just another tool. But I really I really liked it, and mm-hmm. um, so I started when I started writing about it I needed to learn more and more and research more so that's what I mean with serious ah, because okay. yeah when I when I started the book I was just I like oh yeah I think I can write about it I would try mm-hmm. and <laughs> but I was really insecure I mean it was my first uh, thing in English like a book in English was really um, let's say it was kind of too much mm-hmm. for a first thing because I'm not a native English speaker. I was really scared about this, okay. but it ended up well. So yeah, it was really good. I'm, I'm curious about that because I mean, I, I live in Southern Germany and German is my, my second language. Um, I admit I haven't actually quite had the, the, the courage, if you will, to, to do something like that. So. How did you, I guess, how did you sort of deal with that, that sense of insecurity and, and just do it anyway? Like what got you to just write it? Or did you just start writing and it kind of happened? Well, um, the thing is that I always love to write mm-hmm. and really, really like it. Uh, and I use it, I always uh, wrote technical uh, stuff on my blog, but in Portuguese when I was still living in Brazil. Mm-hmm. Uh, but when I, before I moved here to Amsterdam, I started to uh, try to write more in English because I was planning to move and I wanted to, you know, have more content in English to for uh, professional purposes. And 
that's when I started, but it was pretty bad mm-hmm. at first, my English, my writing in English. And the book was kind of, uh, I, I saw other people doing the books uh, in, on Lian Pub. And the thing is, that's why I really love Lian Pub. If you if you never heard about Lian Pub, by the way, for people who are um, listening, mm-hmm. Lian Pub is a service that you, uh, for self-publishing. So you can, anyone can go there, create an account and publish your own book. So, uh, so you know, this kind of thing that is like, frictionless you don't need a lot of uh stuff you can create whatever you want this this is something i really like and it it, uh, removes like the the barriers you know that Mm -hmm. you might have so that that was one thing that helped like a lot uh so i was like yeah i can try if it doesn't work it doesn't work i can put uh for free if nobody wants to buy it (laughs) anyways i can always like just put it for free to help other people uh, you know, too, and it's 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 a interesting thing about vagrant. I I really wanted to make it more popular. So anything that I could do to help with that would be great, because it's really nice. Uh, one thing that I I think it's really nice when you go to an open source project, for instance, and you have a simple way uh, to get started. You know, just run vagrant app and everything is going to work. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's great. So. That was one of the reasons why I loved Vagrant. Okay. Um, were, there any, were there any difficulties in, in writing the book? Uh, did, it, did it sell well? I mean, Cal Evans always says that if you want to get rich writing technical books, you're in the wrong field. But, <laughs> yeah. um, how, did it, how did it go? Has it, how has it been received? Uh, it was uh, much more than I expected, to be honest. Mm-hmm. When... Um, when I initially released the like publicly the the book for the first time, it was like I think it was a Saturday night. It was like an unusual day, like in time that I tweeted about mm-hmm. it, and mm-hmm. I got so many retweets. Everybody talking about it. it I was really impressed, and okay. um, and it, it actually like it was much more than I what I would expecting uh it the sellings were really good uh, especially in the first months and it was really good it's still it's still good because i i'm not updating it anymore uh, but it's still selling and it's nice i i can't complain it of course it's a lot of work you mm. have to put on uh and i worked uh only in a book for a, a couple months like 100% only the book mm-hmm. because at that time I was uh, I didn't have a regular job so um, I was really dedicated to writing and at the end of the day I think it was amazing and that's uh, the thing that also helped me with the talks mm-hmm. because um, I chose Vagrant as a subject to, to, uh, to write and to talk about and the book was actually kind of a tool for making me feel more confident because I I wanted to present talks at conferences and I, I wanted to present about Vagrant because it was a great subject. And to feel really confident, I needed to force myself into going deep into this thing, you know? Mm-hmm. So there was this too, the book. Uh, one more reason why I did this, like I didn't think a lot, oh my God, it's going to be bad, nobody's going to buy it or... Uh, my writing is going to be terrible or it's going to be full of English mistakes. Mm-hmm. I didn't 
care that much because I knew that I, um, I could make it work in, in some level. Uh, mm. If there are some grammar mistakes, uh, it's okay. In any ways, I'm going to learn a lot about Vagrant and I'll be able to present talks about it. It's going to be uh, good at the end in any ways, you know? Mm-hmm. So yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah, like speaking of that, I was in I was in your talk at PHP South Coast a little while ago. Mm. And did that like did that book when you said giving talks prior to writing the book, had you had you given a talk prior to writing the first book? Or was this what, um, what opened up the opportunity to, to give a lot of talks? Not exactly. Like my first First, I, I presented, used to present some talks in Brazil, in my hometown, uh, in Portuguese, of course. Mm-hmm. Uh, so my, my biggest fear was about presenting in English for the first time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I did this with Lighten Talks. That's how I, I kind of, uh, you know, uh, made it happen in some way. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I went to my first conference here, uh, was... Uh, DPC, and then then I went to uh, PHP Northwest, Northwest mm-hmm. PHP, and then I presented my first unconference talk there. Like fifteen minutes, what can go wrong, right? Yep. Uh, so um, I presented about Pomodoro uh, productivity and stuff like that, and it was really well, and ended up being really nice. So I it's like it was really like small steps. Mm-hmm. I did these, and I did another unconference. And then I, I then at, uh, it reached a point where I wanted to go to a, a conference and mm-hmm. present there. So I needed to submit, uh, and then everything started. Um, I um, the first one was at uh, a conference organized by PHP Women, um, mm-hmm. and I presented a lightning talk because I was like too scared to present technical talks yet. Mm-hmm. So I did the lightning talk and uh, I got some interesting feedbacks and one feedback that I will never forget from Lorna, mm-hmm. Lorna Jane, uh, she said that actually lightning talks are much harder because you kind of have to um, convince people about something that you really believe. So you have to be really passionate and um, have good convincing skills, let's say. Okay. While a technical talk is, uh, it's just, it's that, you know, like there's not much to, to talk to convince people. It's that, like it's, this is how it works. This is how you do. And it's sort of like this, you know. Uh, so I felt a little bit more uh, confident about presenting a technical talk after this. Then um, as I, I was really into Vagrant and I, uh, what what made me really think about going more deep into Vagrant was that I wrote uh, three posts on my blog, on my personal blog. It was like a small series um, about on tutorial how to uh, do a puppet provisioning with Vagrant, and um, it's it was it went really really well. I mean, mm. so many people sharing and thanking me for the tutorial and everything. So I was like, oh, okay. I think I can write more about it, more in deep. I'd be, it would be nice. And I can also 
try to uh, submit talks in this subject. And yeah, I got accepted. I got accepted to PHP Benelux. It was uh, my first technical talk in a conference was in PHP Benelux about vagrants and, and the provisioners. So it was, it was really nice. Okay, so um, after that first talk, if you, know, if, if you still remember, would you agree with Lorna that, that the, the technical talk was, was easier than the lightning talk? Uh, yeah, I think so. Um, it's hard to judge because they are so different. Mm -hmm. um, in a in a point in a from a point of view, the lightning talks are really really hard. But at the same time, it it's you feel more confident because you are kind of you are allowed to have your own opinion. So if you if someone doesn't agree with you. In a lightning talk, it's the, just their opinion against your opinion sort mm -hmm. of thing. Okay. And a technical talk, uh, the thing is that you are usually afraid of making mistakes. Uh, if someone doesn't agree with you, it's, it's going more to the right and wrong side of the thing, you know. Okay. Um, it's, it's, it's hard, but I still, I think Lorna was right. I still think that lightning talks are hard. Um, are very hard, especially like if it's a full-length talk. It's a lot of content that you have to put, and you have to put a lot of emotion in it. So it's it's not easy at all. Okay, well, that, that really helps because I have a a lightning talk with uh, Nomad PHP next month, if I get mm -hmm. my dates right, and that's on just PHP Storm as a as a productivity um, aid. And then I have two talks at uh, two, two hour-long tutorials at uh, talks, sorry, at mm -hmm. um, PHP World in November. And so it's the first for both. So <laughs> it's all a bit. Well, when I mean lightning talks, I mean, well, some people call it soft skills talks. I mean, I don't know mm. how. Yeah, I, I mean um, talks that are not technical. Ah, okay. Talks, I, I thought you meant like the, the short, say, 15, 20-minute type talk. Yeah, not, not in that sense. I mean, uh, talking about anything other than really technical stuff. I mean... Oh, right. Because uh, I have one... <laughs> I think I, I could categorize I have, that I have one of each because um, my, my second one, as it's in the, the shed, speaking schedule, is the technical one. But the first one is, I, I think you could call it a, a soft skills or a human skills talk because it's all about how to, um, trying to remember off the top of my head now, that sucks. <laughs> um, it's, it's on how to use promotion and documentation to give an open source project the best chance of success. Yeah, it, it, it tends more to the soft uh skills side i think soft uh, human skills i don't know yeah yes so it's, right. all, it's all about i've been spending a lot of time talking to different people who run successful projects and doing what, what like research to try and find all these things and i kind of sort of feel like in part that i'm not the person who's done it but i'm sort of collating it and and giving it mm -hmm. so <laughs> i'm kind of wondering in part it feels easy because i can just say this is you know these this is the result of what i found mm -hmm. and what I've, people have, have told me. But for some reason, I still have uh, a little bit of anxiety more about the technical one than the, than the soft one. 
Yeah, well, it it depends. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's hard to to judge because they are really different uh, mm-hmm. things. It's hard to compare. Okay. But uh, I see these like at, at least at conferences. Um, one thing that is hard about the soft skill talks is that some people don't uh, don't rate them as good as the technical talks. They some people just think they don't need that to hear that, but mm-hmm. that, these people are usually the people that really need to listen to that content. Mm-hmm. Usually, yeah. Uh, so I saw like some things like that. Uh, for instance, in Laracon, we had some excellent um, lightning talks in, in the in the sense that the human skills talk. And I see people giving rates on joining and talking. That oh my god, that this is not this should not be in a technical conference or something like that, and I don't agree uh, at all with this. I think that conferences should have a good mix of both uh, human skills and technical talks because uh, we tend to ignore this a lot. Tend to ignore the human part of our jobs a lot. Yeah, that's I, not good. I absolutely agree. I was talking with. I think it was Cal Evans and, and Code Rabbi mm-hmm. over the last few weeks. And I, I, I keep using this one reference, I guess, and I, and I watch this, this TV show here. It's, it's a bit weird, but and it's a bit sensationalist, TV mm-hmm. shows are. But it's this show about people who, who uh, leave Germany and they go somewhere else and they settle, whether Spain or Australia or, or wherever. And there was this one person and she went to a local gym and applied to be a fitness and health instructor. And she had the interview and, and the, the owners were very positive. And they said to her that they felt her, her technical skills were actually a bit weak in that she didn't necessarily know all of the specific exercises or mm-hmm. nutrition information, but they, they decided to employ her because she had a fantastic ability to relate to people. Nice. And they felt that they can teach her the technical things that she didn't know. But if she didn't have, um, either have an ability or be willing to learn how to relate to people, they said, well, it's a people business. How can we work with you? Yes. And I think it's important in, especially, I guess, in, in te- what, uh, software roles because, you know, you're always around people and you're making decisions about things that relate to people at some point. And yeah. I think as Cal said, you know, you, you work in a team and if no one can get on with you, then I, I don't know. I think your technical skills would have to be exceptional to, to get over that. Yeah, that's true. I, well, that's what I believe at least. Because mm-hmm. if you get someone that's really an asshole to work with you <laughs> in a daily basis, mm-hmm. it's, it's not a situation that you want to be for a long time. Uh, and... While we can always help someone uh, to get better, to improve the technical skills, if it's a nice person and it's much better to, for the daily, you know, for working side by side. Um, this is like true in our lives and everything. Why it would be different with like in our field, in our market. Mm. But uh, yeah, like I think the, the stereotype of the antisocial developer, that person that uh, works late at night and stays like, you know, 
in the dark, <laughs> doing cold and yeah. drinking lots of caffeine and not talking with anyone or don't having a, not having a social life. This stereotype is really strong, yeah. So it's it's like it's like people want to be robots. It's it's it would be more productive. It's all about producing more lines of code and this and that and while all other things, uh, empathy and the important things for uh, the human beings for our personal lives, they are just in but aside, you know. Yeah, it, it, it is strange. I used to really believe that stereotype existed, and I was, I've seen examples of it, but at least in the last, what, ever since I moved to London and then here, the best people I've seen were the people that actually dragged me to the pub. Mm. You know, it was always, oh, okay, well, work's over. You know, then we'd, we'd go for a beer or after the conference or during, it'd be, okay, so you are coming to the social, like, like Lorna, really. <laughs> it'd be, you are coming to the social afterwards. And even if you hadn't planned to, you'd just have to say yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, I guess circling back to a bit of a bit of writing, how did you how did you start writing? Was it something that you always always did, um, and then it became more technical writing, or did it sort of come along with with the technical programming um, when, when you started programming? Uh, it's actually something that I always had. Like when I was a, a little kid, I uh-huh. was. Uh, I wanted to be a writer, but I wanted to be like a, a romance writer or a fictional writer, things like that. And I actually have a, a, a book that I wrote in, in Brazilian Portuguese when I was uh, around 17. It was a competition in the university, mm-hmm. and I was one of the winners. So I have this book published. It's a... It's a I, I don't like it anymore. <laughs> oh, okay. But it's a kind of a romance uh, inspired by, um, I mean, Matrix. It was right in the, the, when Matrix was released, the first one. So mm-hmm. I was really influenced by those things and RPG and things like that. So it's, it's kind of futuristic stuff. Um, it's funny, though, uh, because I always love to write. But when I started... Um, working, so I I started going to the to the to IT, and I started to focus more on technical writing because I wanted to um, to share whatever mm-hmm. I knew. You know, I always wanted to share, so I started writing blog posts on technical stuff. And then nowadays, I I only write technical stuff. To be honest, I. Um, use it to like a lot to write uh, fictional stuff, um, but I don't do this anymore, unfortunately. Okay. Um, I guess you know we, the different times of life. There's different yeah. things you're interested in. That's true. But I did I do I remember correctly? You now doing technical writing at DigitalOcean? Yes, exactly. How's that um, going? It's going really, really well, actually. Um, to be honest, now I really feel more uh, this is like the right job for me because even though I will still be doing uh, conferences, like talking at conferences and things like that that I used to do before uh, as developer advocate, but the, the even the name, you know, of the of the job, mm-hmm. I mean, developer advocate, it just I always had a feeling that it didn't fit for me because I I am. I really, what I like to do mostly mm-hmm. is writing. 
and um, in in programming also. So now I have I have this opportunity to focus on writing, and it's been really great. I I really enjoy just staying like a whole day or days, like a couple days in one thing, tutorial and testing and writing, and I love it. So yeah, okay. it's been great. I mean, well, that's good, and, and um, congratulations that you know you've you've found the role that that really clicks. Thanks. Um, so, what what would um, so so technical writing or digital ocean? So, what exactly would a typical day be? So, um, if there is such a thing, <laughs> yeah, sort of. So, we usually uh, we have meetings to define. Um, the subjects that we want to write about, and it's not like random things. We 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 sit together and we define some things that we want. We we good, have a good mix of things that we want to write about, things that we should write about, things that are missing still in our community. So um, we have these meetings sometimes, and then we have a schedule. Mm-hmm. So we usually I have already I have. A lot of tutorials already, like for that, I want to write, and they are on my to-do list. Mm-hmm. So, depending on, on, like for now, for instance, I am writing uh, some tutorials on about symphony, and so I have initially I had like uh, in different uh, moments, like I would be writing one here and one in some weeks but I decided to write them together and so these things we are uh, they are very flexible to you know you can write whichever you want but basically we have a a to-do list of many tutorials so we can just go and choose wherever is the next one basically okay um is it it fun working there I guess you already answered that but (laughs) I thought I'd ask directly Yes, it's amazing. Um, I really, I really enjoy. It's to be honest, uh, I never had such a great job before, so I am pretty happy with DigitalOcean. They treat me very well. Oh, good. Oh, that's yeah. Um, for okay, let's let's just assume that someone in someone listening wants to be, say, a technical writer, um, or you know, maybe they've been programming for a while and want to expand that way. What, what kind of what kind of tips would you would you give someone who's just starting out? Well, technical for technical writing specifically, um, I would say that you well for everything in life. I mean, you have to practice and but to keep up with uh, the the a job of technical writer, you need to be really passion passionate about. Um, new stuff, finding out about new stuff, testing new stuff, you know, ah, this new tool here, nice, I'm going to install it and try it and test everything I can. And you really have to be passionate also about sharing, you know, because if you just do it for the sake of doing, of writing, it's it's probably not going to be that good. Um if you really like to share and to teach people, then it's probably going to be better because you will... Uh, the thing is that um, writing a tutorial or writing anything like a documentation, a good documentation, it needs empathy. Uh, uh, empathy is something important in, in, for everything. But, I mean, you need to 
place yourself in the position of the person that is going to read that. Mm-hmm. Um, and sometimes it, it's really easy to ignore some steps, I'll say, for instance, um, for a complex thing that you want to write about and you start a tutorial. And there are a few things that uh, you skip because, oh, this is probably, this is too easy. You don't even think about putting on the tutorial or in the documentation, but some people that's going to read that, they don't really know about that. So they will uh, have trouble following the tutorial because you, you, wasn't, you were not uh, detailed enough. That's what I mean. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's why um, for writing this kind of stuff, for teaching, for things like that, you need to, to practice your empathy and place yourself in the position of the other people and different levels that can go there and read your uh, tutorial. Definitely. So yeah. that's uh, an important thing that I think it's, it's for anyone that wants to write technical stuff. Okay. I absolutely definitely agree. I've been caught out a few times with uh, assuming or assuming too much. And mm-hmm. there are, there are, I guess there were, there were gaps in some tutorials that I wrote, which I, I didn't see because I, I had assumed knowledge, and it really taught me to sort of slow down and, and and always take a break and read it again before submitting it or posting it to check that it all made sense and there weren't these kind of like, I ha- how did I get from here to here? There's this sort of blank spot here. Mm-hmm. Um, exactly. And there was there was something else, and I and I just lost it. I ha- I'm getting old, I swear. <laughs> <laughs> Nearly forty. Um, um, for okay, one one other question about technical writing. Do, do, what sometimes I guess if you're just writing text and you can be really empathetic in, in what you say, do, do you feel there's a certain style that would help convey information the best? Because I guess some people just like to read and get the facts. Some people like a bit of a story and facts to to help them relate to a technology and say, okay, what why is this practical to me? Other people, I guess, are more visual people and maybe diagrams help or, or images. Mm. Is, is there a combination of things that you feel makes for a, a really excellent uh, tutorial? I think it's uh, really a combination, but it will really depend on what kind of tutorial, what kind of thing. Um, uh, what do we do? What we like to do at the DigitalOcean community, the tutorials there, is we have uh, the thing, the tutorials are divided into steps. So we have clear steps. And this is something that I find very useful. And we try to, to explain in detail, but also uh, putting everything that needs to be, all commands that you will need to run needs to be there. It's not like, uh, now edit this file and that on text, you know, we try to put everything, all the comments need to be um, in, like, really you see that it's a comment that you need to run. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I'm, I was clear enough, yeah. but I mean, instead of just using the, in the text, the paragraph saying that you need to edit this file, you have to put the comment, the theme and the path to the file and everything, you know what I mean? Yep, totally. This, um, the, the reason why we do this is because we know that some people are just going to copy and paste everything. Uh, but some other people 
will like to read and understand why it's uh, happening, what you, why you are doing it. So that's why we do all the explanations. But we also do the, all the comments because we know some people will prefer that way. And in regards to the images dia diagrams, it depends um, if it's uh, usually when it's a more abstract thing that you are explaining, the, di the diagrams help a lot. But if it's really more technical and it's more about comments, really, I think so. Okay. Well, that's interesting because I was just curious because I see a, a wide range of, of styles and, and techniques. I was just curious yeah. about yours primarily there. I guess one other question, if we're talking about DigitalOcean, um, are they, you know, are they looking for new people if someone is interested in, in, in applying or is it sort of you've, you've, they've done all the hiring that they're going to do for the foreseeable future? Oh, uh, yeah, actually, we are hiring and there are a lot of uh, positions uh, you can find on the website. We don't have uh, specifically PHP. Uh, positions, but we have for other, uh, because we don't use PHP in our backend, but we have for um, for engineers that are more into JavaScript or Ruby. I don't know right now, but mm -hmm. you, you can have a look at the, at the website, you'll find there are many positions, social media and stuff also, I know, yeah. Okay. Excellent. And yeah, if you want to know how it how it is to work there, you can ask me. It's I, I will answer. <laughs> Excellent. All right, I'll have a lot of a lot of show notes and links, and I'll, I'll plug your Twitter handle. Okay. Um, all right. Well, I'll, I'll wind up at that stage. But before I go, as I, as I ask everybody, is is there something that you've got going on that you would like to to promote or to talk about or to tell people about? Um. Yes, actually, since we talked about um, the thing about technical stuff and non-technical stuff, um, there is a project that I initiated, uh, I think it was in, uh, last year, called DevHuman. And um, it's all about this, it's the, the non-technical stuff that uh, we as developers, we also need to talk about, you know. Mm -hmm. uh, and it's a, it's a website where you can contribute with your article. Anyone can contribute. It's just a pull request that you do uh, with a Markdown article. And we are happy to uh, get any contributions that you might have that are not technical contents and uh, they are, uh, that are still related to our, to our uh, market, to our environment as developers, you know. Okay. So, yeah. <laughs> and, and what is the, the URL, by the way? Is dev... Um, minus or dash human.com Okay, alright, I will I'll check that out and I'll add a show note link Okay, but thank otherwise, you um, That's not a problem but um, thank you very much for chatting with me Thank you Matt It was a pleasure Likewise, it was very very insightful and especially as I'm doing some talk soon I'm, I'm keen to sort of review the, uh, the talk and make some, some extra notes <laughs> Awesome so what did you think of the fireside chat with Erica? I mean, personally, I loved it. I got a lot out of it, but I'd love to know what you thought about it. If you've got some time, please share your thoughts with me at episode eight in the comments. Otherwise, leave an iTunes review. I'd love to know what you thought, whether of the show as a whole or the interview. Sorry, the fireside chat with Erica. And I'll see you in episode nine. <laughs>